Welcome to the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta's Economic Development Podcast Series. I'm Emily Mitchell with the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. Job creation is a critical issue today, particularly since many sectors have suffered job losses in the recent recession. In November 2011, the Institute for Research on Labor and Employment at the University of California at Berkeley and supported by the Annie E. Casey Foundation, released a group of papers highlighting proposals for policies and programs to spur job creation. The papers represent the winners of their Big Ideas for Job Creation project, a call to academics and economic development practitioners to design jobs programs for cities and states that would lead to net new job creation in one to three years. In this podcast series, we will feature five of those ideas. Today, I'm speaking with Nancy Green-Lee, Professor of City and Regional Planning at the Georgia Institute of Technology since 1994. Nancy's idea, entitled Turning Waste into Jobs, was one of the 13 big ideas selected. Nancy, thank you for speaking with us today. Thanks for the opportunity. Tell us about your big idea and what issue you're working to address with it. My idea focuses on how we can create jobs from waste diversion. Rather than throwing away the waste that we create into landfills, we can take this material and treat it as a locally produced resource used to create new local jobs. My research examines reusing materials and recycling and remanufacturing products from these materials in various industries, and I call these the R3 industries, the R3 standing for reuse, recycling, and remanufacture. Recycling activity can create over 10 times more jobs than disposable in landfills, and in most states, recycling workers receive higher wages than landfill workers. The number of jobs generated by the R3 industry has been increasing, but with the right policy environment, many more could be created. More jobs are generated by recycling material than disposing it into landfills because once material has been collected, hauled, and placed into the landfill, its value becomes zero. But in contrast, if we reuse, recycle, and remanufacture that material, we provide a range of opportunities to create value and jobs. These opportunities come from further material handling, sorting, processing, manufacture, distribution, research and development, marketing, sales, and related administrative and support activities. So the jobs are not only in lower-skill industrial occupations. They can be in much higher-level occupations, and they can also be in activities like industrial and furniture design and architecture. So right now, with waste, we create only one-tenth of one job for every 1,000 tons of waste that we throw away and put into landfills. If we process recyclable materials, we create one to two jobs, and if we manufacture using recycled materials, we create four to ten jobs for every 1,000 tons of waste. Nancy, how many jobs do you believe this idea could create, and what would be the cost? There are estimates that if the current landfill diversion rate of 33% from municipal solid waste and construction and demolition debris were increased to 75%, by the year 2030, we could create 1.5 million new jobs. Our efforts to nail down the cost of creating R3 jobs are hampered by a lack of robust data. Our best estimates that are based on case studies are that costs would range from between $5,000 and $116,000 per job created, 
and that for every $1 billion of investment in the R3 industry, over 16,500 jobs would be created. Jobs can be created in the private sector, the public sector, or in nonprofit businesses, and it costs significantly less to create jobs in the R3 industry in a nonprofit business. What are the main barriers to waste diversion programs, and how can they be overcome? When there is a low cost of disposing waste in landfills or throwing away our trash, which is the case for a good part of the U.S. these days, and there's an absence of waste diversion policies, then firms that are engaged in the R3 industry in reuse, recycling, and remanufacturing have a harder time competing in the market. Also, the lack of comprehensive publicly available data on the R3 industry makes it difficult to motivate state and local government policymakers to take advantage of its economic development potential. But cities with mandatory waste diversion goals or pay-as-you-throw policies have been shown to spur successful R3 job creation. The pay-as-you-throw policies are those that charge per bag of trash being thrown away and motivate consumers to decrease what they're throwing away and recycle. There are three key ways to stimulate the R3 industry at this point in time and to overcome barriers to waste diversion programs. The first is through legal mandates that can be adopted at the local level or the state level and that require general waste diversion from landfills. Included among specific product-focused waste diversion policies can be those such as mandated electronics recycling. And this is the area where half the states have actually created legislation to require electronics recycling. So we've made some of our greatest progress in the recycling area, although we have a long ways to go. San Jose, California just became the first city in the U.S. to ban disposal in landfills or export e-waste so that it will create businesses and jobs from the requirement to process the e-waste responsibly. So that's a major move forward at the local level. Other specific materials that have been banned from landfills are focused on construction and demolition waste and carpet waste. Second, the industry can voluntarily choose to engage in R3 activity because it wishes to be more sustainable or wishes to avoid regulation or it sees that there's a potential for profit. The Carpet America Recovery Effort, which goes by the acronym CARE, by major U.S. carpet manufacturers was driven in part by sustainability objectives and in part by a desire to avoid regulation. The growth of the remanufactured medical devices industry is an example of a very profitable market-based development that occurred on its own because of the profits to be made. The third way that the R3 industry will grow is by increasing market demand for the recovery of valuable and or rare materials, such as certain metals and chemicals. These are materials that are increasingly expensive to mine from the earth, for example, or to produce, and it's becoming more cost-effective to recycle and extract these materials and reuse them. There are traditional economic development programs and incentives that can help to make this industry grow faster. Can you point to real-world applications of this idea? Where has this idea worked, and what are the results to date? So I want to focus here on a nonprofit example that has been quite successful. St. Vincent de Paul, which is a national charitable organization, has an operation in Eugene, Oregon that began operating in the 1980s. 
and it has focused on reuse, recycling, and remanufacture of goods as a way to generate income from its secondhand stores, and it is used profits from that to provide other needed social services in its community. From the 1980s, it has grown to a place today where it employs over 300 local residents and diverted more than 19 million pounds of materials from landfills in the year 2010 alone. Its primary activities are used clothes retailing, mattress recycling, and craft glass manufacturing. But it also refurbishes appliances, sells them, and sends out technicians to homes to repair them and guarantees their work, among other things that it's doing. In total, the employees of St. Vincent de Paul and Eugene are engaged in 10 major waste-of-profit activities using a range of employees and job skills. The wages that they earn are above minimum wage, and they come with benefits. The majority of the revenues that St. Vincent de Paul collects come from its retail sales of recycled and refurbished or remanufactured material. Some of those sales are now even at the national level. And they use the profits that they receive to support affordable housing construction in the area to meet the needs of the low-income population in Eugene. So it's really a robust nonprofit entity using our three activities in order to support larger goals of providing improved quality of life and affordable housing for residents in Eugene. Nancy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for allowing me to talk with you today. I appreciate the opportunity to discuss this important idea for jobs and sustainable economic development that can come from growing the R3 industry. This concludes our podcast. We've been speaking with Nancy Greenlee, Professor of City and Regional Planning at Georgia Tech. For more podcasts on this topic and others, please visit the Atlanta Fed's website at www.frbatlanta.org. If you have comments or questions, please email podcast at frbatlanta.org. Thanks for listening.